0: Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit. Bullshit is rampant. Total fucking bullshit. D- d- b- bullshit. This makes no fucking sense. I mean, it's just bullshit. Fuck. D- d- bullshit. This is bullshit.
1: Welcome back to Bullshit Filter, the News 17, recorded this day of our Burt, uh, the 10th of September, 2018. <laughs> my name is Cameron Riley. With me, as always, is my bum buddy from Virginia, Ray Harris. How are you, buddy?
2: Doing great. Thanks for the, uh, for the buildup. I appreciate that.
1: Um now uh, off air we were just talking about our weekends you said you watched uh, a couple of pretty bad movies what were they again
2: Yeah I saw a Tag which don't waste your time even though I have a thing a sexual thing let's be clear for John Hamm. and then I, I so don't Who doesn't that. And I, Who doesn't that, right It's true That's true. But he's getting, he's, you can, he's starting to age, but still he's fine as wine. Game night was a lot better, but it wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be. However, the last 15 or 20 minutes is pretty amazing. It has all these plot twists and that that made it pretty cool. But if it wasn't for that, I would have went, ah, I'm, I'm once again, left unsatisfied.
1: (laughs) Well, I watched Smokey and the Bandit. Um... Which is
2: what I should have done
1: yeah and uh, you know look let's be honest not a great film um really um there's no plot there's right. it's, it's really just you don't a, need
2: a plot when you jump shit when you jump shit and go drive fast and have a hot woman in the car plot gets in the way
1: yeah it's there's no plot there's no really great dialogue but uh, there's a couple of good lines but I mean it's not really right. a a Tarantino film, you know. There's no memorable lines in it, really, we'll beyond a couple. But, god damn it, man! Bert, <laughs> Sally Fields, um, wow. uh, uh, Jackie Gleason, and yeah. Jerry, Jerry Reed—the four and his dog,
2: right? Four
1: <laughs> the f- half. Fred, the four, the <laughs> the four main cast members in it. And there's, you know, there's small bits. Paul Williams appears in it in the beginning and the end. Um, um, but God damn, did they <laughs> just leap off the screen with such, so, like, oh, yeah, I was yeah. grinning through the whole thing. I'm like, I'm watching the whole movie going, well, let's be honest. This is, this is not great, but God damn it. These people are, are cool. They're awesome. <laughs> I fell in love with Sally Field all over again. Love- like oh, I did yeah. when I was a teenager, w- wanted yeah. to be Bert. Um, Jackie Gleason was just, you know, he's just funny. So I read up on the film. Sorry. For, well, I guess this is news. Burt Reynolds died last week. So this is yeah, news. Um, it is. I read up on the film. So the, the director of the film, Hal Needham was, uh, a stunt man. Wow. <laughs> uh, and basically like he's, he was the world's greatest stunt man, effectively. Um, right. And uh, let's see if I can uh, get his bio again. I did post it on Facebook. I'll, I'll dig it up. Yeah. Um, this guy it was the highest paid stuntman in the world. He broke 56 bones over his career, his back twice, punctured a lung, knocked out a few teeth. He worked on 4,500 television episodes, 310 feature films as stuntman, stunt coordinator, second unit director, and then he became a director. His directorial debut was Smokey and the Bandit, 1977. No way. He went on to make 10 feature films, including Hooper, also with Burt, Cannonball Run, also with Burt, which was based on a a real race, coast to coast, where he drove the ambulance. Uh, at oh 150 God. miles per hour across the, <laughs> across the country. Um, he was the first director to show outtakes during end credits. Um, and, you know, uh, some of his films, including Smoking the Bandit, were some of the most financially successful action comedy films of all time. And basically, Smoking the Bandit... Was his excuse just to make a, a a stunt film? It was just he was going to do a low budget stunt film. I'm going to make a movie. No, bear with me here. Bear with me. I'm going to make a movie. No plot, just a lot of car stunts. That's it. And it was going to be this low budget thing until Bert signed on. And then all of a sudden, his original budget was a million dollars. Then Bert said on, he had to pay Bert a million dollars. Uh, Bert at the time was, I think, the highest paid actor in Hollywood in the late 70s. Um, and yeah, it just kind of, uh, blew up from there. So right. complete legend, Hal Needham. And if, and for those of you listening, it's on Netflix, at least in Australia, it's on Netflix, Smokey and the Bandit. Sit down, pop a cold one, light up a joint, a stogie, whatever your thing is, Whatever. Like um, and, just watch it and chillax. It's, it's it really yeah. it, it doesn't like it doesn't hold up well. I'm not going to lie and say uh, it really it's, should have yeah. won all of the Academy Awards that year. But what it's nostalgia. It's just cool, man. Bert, Sally, Jackie, Jerry. Now, so Jerry Reed. So when we were doing our shows last week, you said play Eastbound and Down, and I hadn't right. seen uh, the film for thirty odd years. Uh, right. What I and, and I was watching it, and Jerry Reed, who plays um, Bert's partner Snowman, uh, who's the truck driver in it, I thought fuck, I know that guy's face. Not being a country music fan, looked him up. Jerry Reed, apparently legendary country music star yeah. slash actor, oh, yeah. not only wrote all the music for that film and, and most of the films that he worked in, including the the the, the main song for that film, Eastbound and Down. Wow. He wrote, in the late 60s, he wrote the song Guitar Man, which Elvis then re-recorded and um, got Jerry on his recording. Big hit for Elvis in the late 60s. Um, So Jerry wrote a number of hit sort of country rock songs. I, I had them playing all weekend here. They're kind of a lot of fun, a lot of sort of like uh, they're not. Oh, my dog died, and my girlfriend ran off with my, my other dog. Yeah, a lot of a lot of right. good time, yeehaw kind of country music, <laughs> which I, I, I can get into. Um, right. So between Bert and Al Needham and Jerry Reed, I went deep, deep into uh, you know southern. American, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah yeehaw yeah. no, stuff. So it was good. Uh, it was good. I loved it. Loved it.
2: Lots practice. Uh, let's start with this. Active Resistance
1: is the op-ed
2: published in the failing New York Times by Anonymous, really an anonymous gutless coward. Anonymous, really an anonymous... And anomaly will likely get the best of us, yeah. Before you disappear, if you can lend me half an ear, I'll regret. If I
0: treat you like a number, it's because I can't remember your name. Mm-hmm. So have another cigarette and help
2: me to forget why.
0: Run too fast, fly too high.
1: Run too fast, fly too high. <sighs> oh. That's your president, right. uh, leader, leader of the free world there, it, Ray.
2: As, as an American, I dare I say patriot and hero, I feel the need <laughs> uh, to defend him. And I will just say until you have to suffer the plight of dentures my younger friend <laughs> don't mock he was he had an onset of denturitis. clearly he lost that battle twice uh, but 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 he persevered on and he finished his his uh, speech um, I say here 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 sir While while
1: played shirt guy stood behind him pulling faces. <laughs> <laughs>
2: i love that. I watched that over. <sighs> Me and, too. Uh, I was like, yeah, that's what the a face I would have made too. What a yeah. fucking
1: hero is played shirt guy. <laughs> uh, for those of you who <laughs> haven't seen sure. it, Trump was giving this speech. I think it was in uh, Billings, Missouri, wherever the fuck that is.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: right. There was a kid, 17-year-old kid, behind Trump, over his shoulder in the camera shot, um, who for the first half of Trump's speech just kept pulling these faces like, really? Yeah. What? What did you just say? Are you serious? Um, until Trump staffers came and removed him and his friends and replaced him with uh, pretty girls who were smiling yeah. and Enthusiastic. cheering. Enthusiastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Ray, where do you want to start uh, today? Uh, 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 new tip. Um, this came from my uh, son, Taylor, who listened to Thanks. last week's show. And he said, like, I think in the future you should let Ray do most of the talking. Um, so off yeah? you go, Ray. Where do you want to
2: start? Wait. Why- I wonder why he said that. But anyway, probably because I haven't accepted his friend request. Um, No, the the op-ed piece in the New York Times, I think this should be discussed because um, unlike a lot of people that I've been watching on the news, I don't think these guys are doing something illegal or unconstitutional. I think it's their job. To point out to their boss who was elected, they were not, but to point out to him, that's going too far or you can't do that or that would be politically bad or whatever. So he can write about it. This person can keep their name anonymous that they're trying to check the president's worst instincts. But I I don't know why they did the piece. I don't know why they did the piece now because you know this person is going to be found out. It's just a matter of when and maybe they want to. I have no idea. But the point is, I don't think they're doing anything unconstitutional or illegal.
1: So for people who haven't been following the news and don't know what you're talking about, you want to tell them the story?
2: No, I'm sure they do. That's crazy. No, I guess it was uh, sometime this week, uh, the New York Times put out an anonymous See how I said that um, op-ed piece <laughs> about some, someone supposedly supposedly high up in the Trump administration, actually in the White House, in the executive branch working, saying myself and others have purposefully made it a, a, a part of our daily routine to check the president when he has his wild uh, ideas, either stuff that are legal, like killing um, the president of Syria. Um, uh, other things like that, j- just that, that we have to literally restrain this guy. He constantly wants to, or at least he says things that would get the country, his, his, his government or, um, in trouble or, or that or moral or whatever. And so they check him and a lot of people reacted to that by saying, uh, you can't do that he's elected you not your your job is to fulfill his wishes to the best of your ability um and so this this op-ed piece came out everybody's trying to run it down everybody's trying to track it you know who who who's doing this and then that that causes the great debate but again i think they're doing their job and i think that at least they're being honest by saying look this guy is not fit to be president he's not he doesn't know what it takes to be a successful politician and it's our job to check him but the way they wrote it made it sound like they were they were guarding a 300-pound child who wants to smash up the place. So I don't know. What, what's your take on uh, what this person wrote?
1: I think it's one of the most astounding things I've ever uh, witnessed in terms of um, certainly yeah. certainly American politics. Um, you, you've got uh, a very senior person in the White House in the Trump administration publicly saying yeah Trump is yeah. off the president's off the rails and we're doing everything we can to stop him from causing World War three yes. um, uh, and basically saying that he's uh, not fit for office yeah. um, and now I mean that's astounding and of course Trump's gone off the deep end on this um, uh, uh, kind of they're all trying to figure out who it is. Um, now there was towards the end of the article, the word "load star" was used, uh, ah. referring to <laughs> referring to John McCain, a load star for right. those people who aren't um, shipping magnates like Ray and myself. Is the uh, right. star that you use to guide the course of a ship, usually the pole star or something like that? Um, right. Now, the reason the word lodestar is important is because apparently Mike Pence uses the word Mm -hmm. lodestar a lot. It's one of his favorite words. So the theory is that the author of this article is either Mike Pence, so in which case your vice president's written an article slamming the president, or it's somebody who is supportive of Mike Pence or... It's somebody trying to drop Mike Pence in the shit by putting that word in there. Somebody trying right? to white-ant both the president and the vice president by dropping the Lone Star word. Or it's just oh or it's just an accident. Somebody happened to use a word that only Mike Pence has ever used previously.
2: Mm, no. Um
1: no. And there's a lot of theories running around about who it might have been, but the podcast, like, there's some quotes I've seen coming in, somebody saying, like, it's like those horror movies. They say, "He's in the house with you. You don't know who it is." And
2: also the fact the that phone calls coming from the inside the house, get out.
1: How bad Sorry. does it have to be that somebody could disrespect the president like that, and it could be any one of a hundred people in the White House, and nobody can be quite sure wow. who it
2: is? Wow. Um, but yeah. But here's my thing. I mean, this is only the the latest of many. You've got the Fire and Fury. You've got Fear. You've got Amorosa's book. And I feel like I'm forgetting something or somebody's book or something. But the point is, I mean, all these people have consistencies in their stories. And so you can dismiss one. You can dismiss two. I don't know if you can dismiss three. But it's harder to dismiss four things that are roughly saying the same thing. So it truly is the way he operates Um I I don't know. It's just freaking scary. It's like nobody, nobody, you know, everybody's worst fears are coming true. And you're actually thankful that there are people in there trying to check this guy. But I think there's going to be some serious rooting out in the White House. And then we'll see what happens when there's no guardrails on this guy.
1: Well, I I don't know that it matters that much. I think the people who are going to read Woodward's book, we'll talk about that in a second. The people who. don't like trump didn't like Trump when he was elected. their opinion hasn't changed. they already didn't like trump they, were, they thought he was crazy during the election. The They're people like, Aha. the people that supported yeah. Trump voted for Trump probably don't care about this. They either dismiss it as uh yeah. fake news or disgruntled ex employees or whatever, or they celebrate they go, yeah, Trump's crazy. We know that's why we voted for him because he's right. he's wild, he's crazy, he could do anything. who knows what's going on. Um, we hate politicians. We hate Washington. Uh, well, they've just... We want
2: it broken up.
1: Yeah. We want to burn yeah. it to the ground and uh, rebuild it in the image of um, Larry, Moe, and Curly. I mean, <laughs> who knows? Jer- I
2: Jerry well, but yeah.
1: So the criticisms... When I posted this uh, anonymous op-ed to Facebook, the criticisms I heard about it um, were usually of the variety that this person is a coward, for doing this anonymously. They should stand up and publicly denounce the president. And my question was, well, what good is that going to do? So if they do that, they're obviously going to get fired, which means there's one less adult in the room to (laughs) stop Trump from starting World War III. Um, And the replies to that was, well, they should stand up and help him get impeached. And so to which I replied, well... How are they going to do that? I mean, he's not going to get impeached, at least uh, until the midterms. He's not going to get impeached while the Republicans control both houses, right? It's just not going to happen. Certainly the Senate, right. So that is not going to happen. Um, And then people started talking about the 25th Amendment. Mm -hmm. As an American, Ray, how much do you know about the 25th Amendment? Two words
2: for you. Fuck, fuck all. all. Yeah, that's what I thought. In fact, I didn't even know. Is it there was a 25th Amendment?
1: Is it disturbing that I know more about the American Constitution than you do, seeing as you've got a degree in American history?
2: Um, no, and I would back that up with fuck you. <laughs> that's okay. Right, I get it. I, I see where you're coming from. Good, re- good retort, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Besides like two or three times in history, does do think- the average American need to know about the 25th do you think? Do you think this
1: is how Burr and Alexander Hamilton ended up going to a duel? It was just, yeah. Burr just kept saying, <laughs> no. Hamilton just came, fuck you to Burr.
2: And he said, no, sir. No, sir. No, fuck, fuck you, you, sir. No. And, that's the- <laughs> and that's when the guns came out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, okay, so uh, the 25th Amendment to the Constitution was uh, pushed through in 1967. Um, and there are four parts to it. It's to do with the, the, the first part, section one, is about um, what happens if the president dies or resigns, basically says if that happens, the vice president becomes president. Section two is about when there's a vacancy in the office of the vice president, the president can nominate a vice president. I think this happened um, as a result of sort of um, uh, 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 there not being a vice president. Well, no, this is before this is before Nixon. Man, I think this is um, LBJ when Kennedy died. LBJ became president. Uh, There wasn't a vice president, and there was no real um, mechanism. By which he could fill the, you know, right. get someone else to fill the office of vice president. Um, section three is about the president being able to uh, pass off his powers to the Senate mm-hmm. and the Speaker of the House mm-hmm. uh, when he's mm-hmm. unable to discharge his duties. Um, for example, when uh, if if you're the president and your daughter gets kidnapped um uh, right. and you're too you know broken ah. up to be able to do a good job you pass it I off and just hope see. that john goodman yeah. um does, <laughs> does a, a good job does a good job when he comes into the white see, house with his little dog you
2: you went you went you went dramatic there i thought you were going to go with humor as in when uh, george w had the two colonoscopies and he was going to be put up on funny gas and so he had to uh pass the powers over but that's fine I mean it's a West Wing re- uh, West Wing reference you can always get away with that but don't ever forget the power of the colonoscopy as someone who's had one I never will
1: Well, asking random men in parks to stick their fingers up your butt I don't <laughs> think qualifies as a colonoscopy but you know you justify it however you want did you feel anything up there when you're up there did you feel anything any lumps no deep, no, no lumps you're, okay. you're, you're all good buddy you're all good <laughs> But section four is the one that people are talking about. Now, section four says that if the vice president or the majority of the principal officers of the executive departments or Congress mm-hmm. decide that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his, and I think it should mean and or her, office, right. Right. the vice president can take over. Basically, you can say, Mr. President, you are unfit to discharge the powers and duties of your office.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, now, usually that would happen when uh, you know, the president's had a stroke or the president's had a heart attack or he is suffering from dementia. Although yeah. Ronald Reagan was suffering from dementia for the last few years of his presidency, and they never bothered to to to, no. uh, to uh, no. whatever whatever you call it uh, call upon section four of the twenty fifth so it, it, and the point here it's never and I, been used it's yeah. never been used and here's the thing it's not going to be used with Trump too, according to David Greenberg and Rebecca Lubo from Politico mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, It's not going to work with Trump, Um, so you can forget about using this as a way to get rid of Trump. Because there's no way you can say that Trump is unable to discharge the duties of his office. He's he's not unless he has a heart attack or a stroke. It, right. It's not valid. I mean, is he? You can say he's a bad president, but he was elected sure. by the people knowing that he was uh, a, a. A dick. A dick, a loose card. Uh, loose, loose, loose wire. Loose wire. I think that's what I'm going for. Wild card, loose wire. Um, mm-hmm. He's, uh, you know, by some definition, a successful businessman. Um, right. So. You know, yeah, you can say he's a narcissistic psychopath and you can call him a pathological liar, but having a personality disorder or even suffering from a mental illness doesn't necessarily render you unfit to govern. The example that they use is that Abraham Lincoln suffered from depression. So there's a precedent Uh, and Nixon was an alcoholic. Um, JFK was hopped up on painkillers and banging actresses. I mean, so being a... You know, Bill Clinton was, you know, getting sticking cigars up in turns of pussies. I mean, being a dipshit, lying but scumbag...
2: Sack it, of shit.
1: ...doesn't mean you're unfit for office, unable to discharge. You might be unfit, but it doesn't mean you're, uh, you uh, know... Unable. Yeah, unable to discharge. So the 25th Amendment isn't really yeah. going to fly. And according, again, to these authors in Politico... If they did try to use Section Four of the Twenty-Fifth Amendment, Trump would challenge them in court and in the court of public oh, yeah. opinion, which would set up a constitutional crisis, um, and he could conceive civil war. Yeah, and he could conceiv- conceivably refuse to leave office. Um, yeah. uh,
2: uh, uh,
1: in which case, you know, you've got the Defense Secretary Jim Mattis, um, and if people what try and do? forcibly remove the president from, anyway, it's it's.
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to get complicated real quick. It's real not. Quick. It's not going to happen.
1: You're not going to get him out with uh, impeachment unless, yeah. in the midterms, the Democrats get enough seats uh, where they can in the Senate where they, they they'll have the numbers.
2: I don't. I don't know if they'll get the Senate, but I think they'll take the House and they can investigate and they can start the process. But you're absolutely right. Eventually, it's the Senate that has to hold the trial or whatever it's it's called and it won't happen. But we could get halfway there if and when, I think, the Democrats take the House.
1: So, uh, what, what do you want to talk about now, Ray?
2: But before we move on, let me ask you this. Let's go back to what we learned from, uh, from I think it was from Cicero, Quibono. So the op-ed piece Clearly, in, in most instances, instances, but not everyone, Pence benefits from... Trump either being questioned or being checked or maybe he gets frustrated and he quits or eventually he's going to be in front of um, Bob Mueller. And, and I get what you were saying earlier, that this is this could potentially be a deep game. Was it Pence? Was it someone from Pence's office? Was it someone who's trying to get Pence in the office? Was it someone who was trying to sabotage Trump and Pence Pence at the same time? So it, it could go like 25 different ways. But on the very the surface of it, it seems like it benefits Pence and there's even been um, cartoons of him measuring new drapes for the office or whatever. Uh, do you have any opinions on that, um, as far as uh, who it might be or um, or anything about Pence? Uh, I don't. I didn't know really that he existed. I didn't know m- too much about him until Trump chose him to be his running mate.
1: Oh right. Yeah. No, I think Qui bono uh, is a good um, approach to trying to unpick these sorts of things. But, um, you know, it could be as simple as the person who wrote it It does want everyone to know that um, Trump is uh, seriously dangerous. And as a lot of people have also pointed out, when they call this person um, a coward, that this person could be... uh, preparing the ground for when shit does hit the fan with the trump administration they can come out and go i wrote that um so therefore (laughs) don't take me down with it because i was the person who spoke up um but you know yes i did enable him to do a lot of bad shit and the person who wrote the op-ed was very clear in it saying hey listen i'm not a I'm not a democrat I'm not a, a, a I'm not a lefty I'm actually quite proud of a lot of things the Trump administration has yeah. done we're just trying to stop it from doing you know the Brains bad bad things So anyway
2: So anyway so the next thing I would like to talk about is the United States Um, being ranked as the 21st in the Economics Democracy Index of 2017. And I just want to read the the preface for the report, and then you can go into it. I just thought this was fascinating. The latest edition of the um, Economist Intelligence Unit's Democracy Index records the worst decline in global democracy In years, not a single region recorded an improvement in its average score since 2016, as countries grapple with increasingly divided electorates. Freedom of expression in particular is facing new challenges from both state and non-state actors and is a special focus of this year's report. So. Obviously, you can't blame Trump for this. This is not something um, Trump related, except for as it uh, applies in America. But overall, for whatever reason, and I do want to go into this a bit, what is going on in the world that we seem to be, in a general sense, getting worse? There seems to be less freedom. Maybe there's less freedom of speech. and, And we always know that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. But it's happening at a faster rate now. What in the hell? is going on in this world where things are generally getting worse.
1: Yeah, well, I came up... This story is actually not, like, new. It's from earlier this year, February, I think, this report came out. But I came up with it uh, over the weekend because I was doing some work on my new book, and I was looking at uh, democracy uh, uh, and where democracy's at around the world today. Mm. And some of the problems that democracy has... um, and i think the united states is a good example of that um you know this it's a little bit of marx marxist theory i guess but when you have a, a capitalist democracy where a small percentage of the people uh, control the majority of the wealth they then you would you would expect them to then use that wealth to control the levers of the democracy as much as possible to influence the laws of the land in the favor of the wealthy elite. Uh, right. So they will they will manipulate the the elections they'll manipulate the, the lawmaking process they'll manipulate the justice system, they'll manipulate the media in order to uh, make sure that they and their friends benefit as much as possible. Um so yeah according to the economist the the United States ranks 21st in the world in terms of uh, the quality of its democracy it's demoted the US from a full democracy to a flawed democracy and mm. they they point out that this isn't because of Trump they the quote is the US's declining status is primarily due to a significant fall in people's trust in the functioning of public institutions, a trend that was well-established before the election of President Donald Trump. So this preceded Trump, um, and I think this has been building for a long time. Um, And again, I think this is the result of the, the fundamental flaws of capitalism and a capitalist democracy. Um, mm-hmm. for all those reasons I said before, I think people are starting to become more aware of the fact that our democracies are being manipulated by the wealthy, and w- which isn't a new thing. This, it's always happened. And in the book I talk about, uh, you know, you, you get some data. There's a couple of good books that have been written about um, the first hundred years or so of mm-hmm. uh, America's democracy post the American Revolution, and how the wealthy one percent of America uh, prospered far more in that first uh, hundred years than the rest of the the people did in America. The, from the right. very beginning, America's experiment with democracy uh, benefited the you know rich white men of the country far far more than it did everybody else. Uh, and they've got mm-hmm. some interesting data around that. And then you know we talk. I talk about um, the French economist Piketty, um, his book that came out a couple of years ago, and and uh, looking at democracy around the world, how the rich are getting richer uh, around the world. R- wherever you look, that trend is happening. So mm-hmm. democracy is failing us on a whole variety of fronts, depending on I guess what you think it should achieve. But one of the things that um, I often hear, uh, uh, it's a common Internet uh, response whenever you talk about America and democracy is, well, America's not a democracy. It's a republic. You ever hear that?
2: Mm. Yeah. And that's, is that what aboutism? Is that they're just splitting the hair? Is that just a distraction? Because that is, to me, so not a part of the problem or the equation.
1: <laughs> well, I always find it funny because um, the people who say that, I think, quite often tend to be also the people who are like very proud of America being a democracy and, and fighting <laughs> wars around the world to spread democracy. Right, But as soon as you start... Freedom-loving people. Yeah, as soon as you start criticising America's quality of democracy, they go, well, we're not a democracy, or a republic. Um, and I get this in Australia as well from my mother uh, from time to time. Well, it's, it's not a democracy because the people don't vote directly on bills. We vote for right. politicians... And then they go and decide what the bills are going to be, what the laws are going to be. That's not democracy. I go, well, it is democracy. It's a representative democracy. It's not a direct democracy. It's still a sure. democracy. It's, it's a flavor of democracy. Right? Um, and the same is true of, of the, a republic. And, you know, republic is basically a, a political order. According to the dictionary, a, re- a republic is a political order in which the supreme power lies in a body of citizens who are entitled to vote for officers and representatives responsible to them. So that's what the United States is. It's a, it's a form of democracy. Um, if you look up the dictionary de- definition of democracy, it's government by the people exercised either directly or through elected representatives. So, America is a representative democracy, as is Australia. Um, and mm. there are pros and cons with that, as opposed to a du- direct democracy where the people get to vote directly on laws. And I know some states uh, over there, you get that option, right? You get to vote directly yeah, New on England. bills. Yeah, yeah. I know Washington. Right. Uh, so Chrissy said when she lived in Seattle, they used to have to do that all the time—vote directly on bills—and California, know,
2: California, yeah. yeah, they have a lot of, yeah, yeah, right. But to me, to me, in some ways, this this is almost getting off of the main top, topic about the one percent using democracy—I call it for their benefit—because I would think that democracy, democracy, and a republic have so much overlay. That you're, you're you're suddenly arguing about minutia when you're missing the larger point. So if anybody, I don't know if someone tried to start that conversation, I'd be like, "You're missing the point. Uh, get back on the main topic because you're now you're just arguing about something in the weeds and you're forgetting the the, the much larger picture." But that's just my take on it. Mm,
1: all right. What next? Yeah,
2: let's have some fun. Let's talk about. Let's talk about Paul McGuire, hmm. multidimensional Luciferian beans. Mm. Ad, I'm sorry, advanced beans. Uh, please take it away because, again, before tonight, I'd never heard of Paul McGuire. So I don't feel like I should, that I should start this one.
1: You, you're know the, you discovered the story. Yeah. You're the one who posted this story. Yeah, you
2: posted this that story on our. Sound, you posted I, this story on one of our Facebook pages, man. I, I, I think that was Sophie using my computer. She's very uh, advanced for a ten-year.
1: Is she the one who also yeah. sends me your dick pics?
2: Yes, <laughs> I, I told her to
0: stop. I keep
1: anyway. saying, I keep saying, well, why is it? Why is it black? I don't understand how that works. You're kidding
2: um um it's not mine it's not mine i no. guess someone's coming by the house again i thought i changed the locks but no sadly D'Angelo. heather had another key made yeah. d'angelo there we go yeah. I, I was trying not to summon his name because now i feel like it's it's out there now anyway i'm depressed
1: all right let's take it away let's uh play the clip of uh Crazy right-wing Christian author Paul McGuire appearing on the Jim Baker Show of all places. Uh, Jesus. Let me see if I can find. Here we go. Okay,
0: now what we what we understand is that there are there are people very high up in what is called the globalist occult or globalist Luciferian uh, rulership. System, and this rulership system consists of what uh, used to be called the Pharaoh God Kings. It's what Alice Huxley called the scientific dictatorship, and these are advanced beings who know how to tap into supernatural, multidimensional power uh, and integrate it with science, technology, and economics. Now, the people who know how to do this are not fools. They are people at the highest level of this um, pyramidic organizational structure in which the highest-ranking officers, if you will, of the New World Order and uh, uh, Mystery Babylon are ruling the earth through an organizational structure that looks like a pyramid on the back of the U.S. dollar, And they control the world, okay, because they understand that true control of the world is done through supernatural mechanisms, not just materialistic um, um, measurements.
2: Wow. 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 (laughs) Uh, I wish I'd lit lit, it up before you played that. (laughs) So are they humans? Are they superhumans? Are they aliens? Are they... Semi-divine? Did you get a sense of that? Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I, I'm seriously... Is, <laughs> he, is he saying that there are aliens who have come here and given something to humans so they... I mean, I, what the fuck? Please, please interpret all of that for me.
1: Yeah, well, you know, he's he's talking about uh, these advanced beings who know how to tap into supernatural, multi-dimensional power... <laughs> So I'm I'm guessing not human. Um, I'm guessing (laughs) aliens. um, That (laughs) yeah, that was ET. That was ET was really phoning home to say, "Come and get these." uh," You know, he's calling the rest of the Pharaoh God Luciferian advanced beings. Yeah, they think I'm cute. Come and get them while they're. Um, so, so he was on the Jim Baker show Damn Oh my god So I mean there's, there's There are levels of crazy man Like uh, I like I like following conspiracy theories um, sure. And theorists Enterting. I have a few of them that uh, That I get into it with On Facebook from time to time They're always entertaining But that's a level Of entertaining
2: <laughs> level
1: Yeah So this guy Paul McGuire The guy doing the talking um, he is uh, a, a, an author A ra- conservative radio talk show host Paul McGuire. Uh, apparently he appears a lot on Fox News And CNN <laughs> The author of 15 right. books wow. The producer of two yeah. science fiction films And writes a lot of columns For a bunch of conservative uh, online websites His books include Supernatural Faith in the New Age Um, Evangelizing the New Age, The Power of the Gospel Invades the New Age Movement, Who Will Rule the Future, The Breakthrough Manual, Spirit-Filled Life Kingdom Dynamics Study Guides, From Earthquakes to Global Unity, The End Times Have Begun. He wrote that in 1996. Apparently, the end times are (laughs) taking their fucking time. It's,
2: It's a slow burn.
1: Countdown to Armageddon, which he published in the year 2000. Um, Sounds like an album. It was a slow countdown. Um, so the, the the final countdown. Um, it was it was about the song. It's the final countdown. <laughs> anyway, yeah. but yeah, uh, Jim Baker. So he's on Jim Baker now. For people who weren't around in the eighties. Jim and Tammy Baker were probably the two most prominent television Christian evangelicals right. in the United States. They built something called Heritage USA in Fort Mill, South Carolina. Yeah. Tell me about Heritage USA, I, Ray. I,
2: I I don't know anything. I was obviously I, I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, and I had never heard of that because my parents didn't hang out with crazy Christians. So I, I had never heard about it. I, I, I thought,
1: about thought it. your parents were crazy Christians. Mm.
2: We started out as Southern Baptist, switched to Baptist, switched to Methodist. And then I got bored and gave up. And my dad got bored and gave up. And my mom still goes. And then I became <sighs> Catholic, the best. Uh, and then I quit that. Um, so, no, I'd never heard of this... I mean, I knew who, uh, who Jim Becker was. I mean, he was on the television all the time. I knew the face of the the crying, her makeup running. I mean, we all seen jokes about that. But as far as this place, even though it was in the state that I was born, I've never heard of it.
1: Apparently, it was the uh, third largest uh, theme park in uh, the United States, or the third most successful theme park in the United States at the time. I guess is like Disneyland, Disney World. Jollywood. And then everything else comes third. I don't know. Um, uh, it was a, an American Christian themed water park, theme park and residential <coughs> complex.
2: Was there an arc? Tell me there was an arc. I will fucking go there if there's an arc.
1: How do you have a Christian theme park without an arc, right? I think that's kind <laughs> of par for the course. Um, it. Opened in 1978, and by 1986, it attracted nearly 6 million visitors annually, employed around 2,500 people. Facilities included the 501-room Heritage Grand Hotel. Not 500, right? Better than 500. (laughs) 501. (laughs) Um, It had Main Street, USA, uh, something, an indoor shopping complex, a church, 400-unit campground, the Jerusalem Amphitheater, conference facilities, King's Castle, a skating rink, prayer and counselling services, cable television production studios, Bible and evangelism school, visitor retreat housing, staff and volunteer housing, timeshares, and the Heritage Island water park and recreational facilities. The third largest theme park by attendance, behind only Disney World and Disneyland. Um Then, unfortunately, um, you know, poor old um, Mr. Baker... Jimmy?
2: Yeah.
1: Jimmy! Had a few problems. Um, Aw. Yeah, uh, like, nothing big for a television evangelist. Um, There was the revelation that he paid hush money to his secretary for alleged rape... Um, right, and then there were which ra- one
2: was the problem—the rape or the pain for the rape? Well,
1: those probably both, and then the accounting okay. fraud, which brought about his conviction, imprisonment, and divorce. But it's all okay because he wrote a book called "I Was Wrong," and it's all good. Everything's forgiven. He's, I have
2: forgiven myself. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. He's back. He's back. He's. uh you know. I'm back, baby! <laughs> yeah, he's he's back doing, you know, evangelical oh stuff. God. Apparently on his current TV show, The Jim Baker Show, he sells buckets of food to his audience in preparation for the oh end God. of days. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I, now I have
2: a bunch of cans, but I don't have buckets of food.
1: Yeah, the Mormons are big on uh end of days food prep. Did you know that? They all have No. In their um in every Mormon home, you will find the the basement and in the basement it will be stocked with tins of long-lasting food supplies, canning, they're big into canning canning tomatoes and peaches and shit like that. And uh big big tins of of, of grain, um flour and all this kind of stuff. Long life, milk, because when the end of times comes, right. Mormons are going to be prepared.
2: Could, could a Mormon email us and just give us a number? After how many years is is the stockpile in your basement embarrassing? Do you not bring it up? Do you not tell anybody about it because you'd cringe? I mean, just give me a number. Is it 20 years? Is it 30 years? Do you have to replace everything every 20 years? I'm, I'm just curious because... Anyway, the reason we're bringing all of this up is because, according to Paul McGuire, President Trump, our fearless leader, is under attack from the multidimensional Luciferian advanced beings. So we all need to support him. We all certainly need to vote for him this November. And so to help him with this one of many battles, it's bad enough he's got to take on the liberals. He's also take on, taking on multidimensional Luciferian advanced beings. So I think this is... a all is to scare those people who are really really stupid into showing up and voting for him in 2018 like they did in 2016
1: yeah uh, yeah stop the luciferian aliens from taking over it's
2: just it's
0: easy a to be that,
1: like christianity is not crazy enough they have to go no 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 it's it's you know
2: <laughs> no it's not it's boring Hold now my beer
1: you know, the right. the human sacrifice that washed away sins of the world somehow for something. God, as himself, it came down, had himself killed, his but he didn't really no. die. Yeah. Um, why yeah. did he have to sacrifice himself? Why couldn't he just click his fingers if he wanted to forgive the sins? Don't worry about it. It's very complicated. <laughs> That's not crazy enough. Yeah. Now it's... Well, no, there's no. fucking alien invasion happening. Um, but I want to get back to Jim Baker, man. So... Yeah, go, go Jim, ahead, Jim Baker, uh, one of the the key proponents of prosperity theology, which, as you know, is is, is a big right. thing here in Australia at the moment because our new prime minister, week old prime minister, oh, is uh, very right. high he's still up. There? Yeah, he right. he made it through a week. Um, very high up in the uh, prosperity theology uh, churches of Australia. Um that's Big in with them. And Jim Baker was a, a big proponent of this. In his 1980 book, Eight Keys to Success, he stated, God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to prosper. But in his 1996 book, I Was Wrong, <laughs> he admitted that the first time he actually read the Bible all the way through was when he was in prison for rape. Uh, <laughs> An accounting end. fraud. Uh, he wrote that he realized he had taken passages out of context and used them no. as proof text to support his prosperity theology. The more I studied the Bible, however, I had to admit that the prosperity message did not line up with the tenor of Scripture. My heart was crushed. To think that I led so many people astray. I was appalled that I could have been so wrong. And I was deeply grateful that God had not struck me dead as a false prophet. Um,
2: You're not important enough.
1: Yeah. So there you go. Um, But uh, he's back doing his thing. He's back. Yeah. He's a supporter of Donald Trump. Um, So there you go.
2: It's all about politics, power, and economics. It never changes. So speaking of all of that stuff, have you heard of a guy named Bob Woodward?
1: <laughs> I have heard of Bob Woodward, Ray. Have yeah. you heard of Bob yeah. Woodward?
2: I, I've heard. Um, I'm not sure about his reputation, but I think he's known for, yeah, I don't know, semi-detailed note-taking, verification, being able to back up what he's saying. But I could be wrong. I could be thinking of a different bob woodward so maybe his book fear is way off and trump is right when he says nobody said any of those things
1: <laughs> well assuming that some of our listeners are young and they don't know right. who bob woodward is uh why don't you tell them a little bit about who he is
2: good god i read i read the, the two books that he and uh bernstein wrote but i was like 20 years ago so basically a bunch of reporters who um, through their dogged investigation, uh, never letting anything go and getting detailed sources were able to bring help bring down the prison, uh, the Nixon presidency. Um, for the breaking of Watergate and and uh, and, uh, and and for getting that going, and so this this guy has been around politics for decades. He's known. You uh, he, he don't have to agree with his politics, even though I really don't know what his politics are. Um, he is someone who is known as a thorough. Um, reporter, an investigator, someone who is very serious about sources, who takes copious notes, who has recordings of a lot of things. Basically, he does his due diligence. And over the years, he has written about, I, I think, maybe six or eight presidents over his career besides being a reporter. So now his book about Trump is coming out, which he has, said various, he has said that various people in the Trump administration have said, Trump himself has just laughed it off and said, it's all lies, it's all made up. And all those people are saying, look, I never said that. But I'm sure
1: he has recordings. Yeah, um, maybe he has recordings, maybe he doesn't, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, as you say, he's fairly credible, Woodward. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he and Carl Bernstein uh, broke, as you said, the, the sort of Watergate scandal story back in the early 70s. But interestingly, they, they had a source for that mm-hmm. Um deep throat was what he was known as Um it's also your favorite pastime um,
2: <laughs> which password his
1: identity uh, well was kept secret. He was leaking hints to Woodward and Bernstein saying, you know, have a look at this, mm-hmm. speak to that person, check this out. Um, right. And some odd 30 odd years later, it was revealed that uh, federal bureau, bureau, bureau now I'm like Trump, federal bureau of investigation associate director Mark Felt was right. actually Deep Throat. So just like Trump has somebody on the inside who's uh, anonymously spilling the beans, that's what Mark mm-hmm. Felt was doing to Nixon. Um, of course, these days I think Felt is seen as a hero for doing that. Yes. Um, But uh, there you
2: go. But here's the thing. The people in um, his book, uh, Woodward's book, they're not anonymous. I mean, he may not have recordings, but, uh, and I, and I looked up that, um, uh, transcription, what's the word I'm looking for, of the conversation between Woodward and Trump. And, and at the very end, Woodward's like, you know, I, I've got all this down. I've got detailed notes. I've got everything. And he was just trying to let Trump know, look, this book is not going to be nice, but I can back up everything I'm, I'm, I've written. But the point is, these are not anonymous people. Th- these are people who's got everybody's names. And they said some pretty horrible things about the president. And I just have to ask about the intelligence of these people. Did he not say during the interviews, look, I'm going to quote you. I'm going to put down your name. What do they not get about this? I mean, how could they not see this coming? <laughs> what? I don't get it. Well, you know,
1: I think it's the standard thing now, man. They they say it, then they deny it later. No, I never said that. Oh, I never said yeah. it. Never happened. Never never happened. <laughs> um, but it's out Jeez. there now. So... Mm-hmm. So Bob Woodward's coming out with this new book on Trump administration. It's called Fear. Um, But it was also revealed last week that Trump wasn't interviewed for the book, even though Woodward spent six months trying to get an interview with Trump. He finally got Trump on the phone uh, last week and uh, recorded the conversation. Actually, it was August 14th. So it was three weeks ago when the recording happened. Um, right. where basically Trump's going, well, why didn't you interview me? And Woodward goes, well, I tried. And Trump goes, no one ever told me. Um, who'd you talk to? He they run a
2: big operation here.
1: Kelly yeah. Kellyanne Conway, he goes, well, she never told me. And then he puts Kellyanne on the phone and she said, oh, I, I-, I put it up through the channels. And they said no. Um, he- She didn't take it directly to Trump for some reason. It's kind right. of wi- weird and fishy. Because um, and- she could have. And then uh, Woodward says, Trump goes, who else did you talk to about it. He goes well lindsey graham he goes oh yeah lindsey did mention it briefly um uh who else he goes uh raj raj, raj shah who's i think's the deputy white house communications officer or something he goes yeah no, i don't talk to raj i don't know who raj is fuck raj um <laughs> some brown and, guy anyway he goes uh uh yeah uh, if you want to talk to me you need to talk to evelyn duffy who's his assistant that's it um, the, the only person you, you can get to me now is Jesus. Evelyn. Really? Anyway, and then basically Trump goes, Well, your book's going to be shit. And Woodward says, No, nah, it's, it's not. He goes, Yeah, yeah, you didn't talk to me. So it's it's going to be shit. But that's okay. It's just another shitty book about me. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really care. <laughs> well, okay. nobody's ever done a better job than I'm doing as president. That I can tell you. That's uh, one of the last things he yeah. says. Um, that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. uh, I don't know. Like, are you going to
2: read the book? Um, the, I mean, I, because of all the interviews that's already happened and all the interviews that are still coming, I mean, I've, I've got the quotes. I've got the, the general gist of it. So I don't know. I, I seriously doubt that I will make time for it uh, because the only thing that matters really at this point unless someone dies is the election that's coming up. In November, because that's really going to tell. But the point I'm trying to make is between all these different books, between this op ed piece, uh, the anonymous person, if all of that does affect the elections, then those people intentionally or not have influenced the election. So all, all of this is just high political drama. It's all BS in some ways until the elections come in November. Are you going to read it?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, I was tempted to buy it last night. I was looking at it and I was like, look, I bought Fire and Fury, the Michael Wolff book, and I got a couple of chapters into it. And it was just like, yeah, okay. I mean, how many times can I read Trump's a fucking car wreck? Exactly. I mean, we know he's a car wreck. I don't need the salacious details of how bad a car wreck he is. I think this one's going to be the same. Um you know I think ten years from now when um Trump is declared emperor um I probably will go back and and be interested in how this all happened but right now it's just uh it's just train wreck
2: right. car wreck i i don't't I, I don't I don't do that yeah
1: yeah i I can't get into it man I'm just yeah it's just uh
2: yeah really
1: anyway um. What else can we talk about in the uh,
2: three minutes we have left? Um, i Um. I don't know much about canary. Do you want to talk about canary?
1: No. I want you to talk about canary, and then I'll provide commentary.
2: Well, I. I. I don't know much about them.
1: I put the link it's in a, the show. I put the link in the notes like a and, week and ago.
2: I appreciate that. You didn't I read really, it. Really, really do. I didn't have a chance to. to you to didn't have a chance,
1: yeah, because your your job yeah. is you know it's, so busy, it's complicated, chasing the yeah. dog around yeah. the yard.
2: <laughs> I'm getting closer to catching him. I feel pretty good about that. You did uh, okay.
1: Well, sorry, Taylor. I, I I have to do the talking. Yeah,
2: you try. I tried. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Taylor.
1: Canary mission uh, is this. Um, this is what the story is about. Now apparently, Canary mission is an organization that runs an online blacklist where it captures the details of people who criticize Israel and uh, makes it available to Israeli security services, amongst others, you would imagine, um, to enable them to uh, make life difficult for pro-Palestinian students and activists, particularly those that are living in Israel or traveling to Israel. So they're
2: super patriots.
1: Well, yeah, I guess. um, Volunteer spies. Apparently what what they do is they go through your... When they identify you as writing something that's pro-Palestine, they'll go through your entire social media profile, scrape it, and put it in a, a, an online file and make it available to yeah. uh, you know, uh, security services. It,
0: it,
1: it's stuff that's already available, but they're just making it convenient for them to go through it. So yeah. the story that I read was um, a guy called Andrew Caddy, who flew to Israel to visit his mother. He's a uh, member of a major pro-Palestinian advocacy group, Um. Can't remember where he was coming from, but apparently uh, when he got to the border, he was taken aside um, for eight hours. He was subjected oh, to three interrogations. A lot of the information they were asking him about came from Canary Mission. They they admitted that. Um yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I just found this interesting that th- there is this volunteer organization that's trying to make the lives of critics of Israel difficult.
2: What if I was to... And let's say I lived in a large uh, city. If I was to spend my time on the Internet or walking around the city and I found... um. I don't know, Middle Eastern people who were who said critical things or posted critical things of of the of the government or the country or our culture or whatever, and I gathered them all up, put them in a file, and then I emailed them to the FBI. Am I breaking any laws? Am I at the very least harassing is the FBI gonna tell me to fuck off? We can do our own job? I mean, this has gotta be borderline. Harassment, but then again, these people are putting stuff out there on the web, and you've got to know once it's out there, it's out there, you can't get it back. And so, I just wonder how close they are coming to breaking any set laws.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know enough about your laws or Israeli laws. Yeah, is it? I don't know. But, I mean, these aren't people that are accused of being terrorists. I mean, I assume when I go through border control in any country now that there's at least a possibility that I'm going to be flagged. um, Oh, yeah. And that they will, you know, have a look at my online... (laughs) Have a look at my online profile, Facebook posts, Twitter. I've assumed that for many, many years. Um, But... uh, these aren't people that are being accused of being terrorists or supporting terrorists. They're just yeah. critics. It's um kind
2: of an open group. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, you know, you kind of have to wonder uh, at what degree, to, to, to at what point does this become an issue of human rights abuses on behalf of, say, the Israeli government holding somebody yeah. For eight hours, for three, and subjecting them to three separate interrogations, because admitting
2: they got their stuff from some non-government group,
1: yeah, or because this person is part of an organisation that is uh, pro-Palestine advocacy-based, yeah, activist, yeah, Um, you know, just is—it's a bad look if nothing else. So um, there's quotes in this article that I've read. I'll put a link up in the show notes. The, a, a lot of these people who are on Canary Mission's website saying they won't be going back to Israel as a result of this. Um,
2: and they and, don't want them there. That's Israel's whole point. Don't come back.
1: Yeah. You know, it's 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 a shame that uh, the the hard right way, I'm not, I'm not trying to paint all Israelis with this, of course, but the hard right wing of the Israeli political spectrum think that it's um, justifiable for them to try Mm. and scare critics of Israel into submission. Uh, Right. uh, You know, that's... It's always the thing with Israel. You think they would have learnt something from what yeah the jews have suffered through for you know better part of 1700 years uh, let alone world war 2 in germany um rather than take those uh things that were done to them and use them as a training manual for how to uh oppress people who I, don't I'm agree a- with them
2: yeah I've always thought that since the Holocaust, the state of Israel, not every person, like you said, but the state of Israel just feels like they have a blank check. They're like "Um, something so horrible happened to us. Any measures that we take to try to make sure that our people are safe uh, will never be too extreme. Um, I've just always felt that for a long time. And this is just another example. And maybe this is just one of the things related to one of the other stories we were doing about what's going on in the world. What's wrong with this world is you have harassment for beliefs when there has been no crime suspected or committed. It's just using politics and technology and uh, I guess a certain amount of boldness, um, you know, because this has got to be coming up against brushing some kind of law, um, to just harass people that don't agree with this is just another part of where we are at as a, as a society. And it's, and it's saddening. Mm.
1: Yeah. I mean, and listen, what happened to the Jews in Germany and other parts of Europe, um, in world war two was horrifying uh, six mm-hmm. or seven million Jews, I think the number is, died as a result of the Holocaust. But we know that 20 million citizens of the USSR uh, died as a result of World War II as right. well. Um, and, and you know the, the the Russians, the Soviets, don't get a, a free pass uh, typically uh, for well, hey, they suffered That's through that, so they should be able to do whatever yeah. they want as a result. You're right, the Israelis do get a different level of um, free pass for a lot of this sort of stuff. Anyway, we will do Israel on a Bullshit Filter series at some point in the near future, I'm sure, when we get through the war on drugs, which we're doing more episodes on this week, getting up to Reagan this week on that series.
2: Yeah. And just to let you know, once we do the episodes on Israel, we will end up on Canary's list. I'm looking forward to that.
1: (laughs) Just one more list that uh, we will be on. (laughs) All right, that's the show for this week. Thank you, buddy, for for reading most of the stories. Um, And uh, we'll be back next week with more news that's fit to use. uh, Something, tagline. I have a (laughs) tagline.